0: how can I become more valuable as an employee in an organization? This is a cell phone, this is a computer. Online businesses have their phone number. You use your cell phone or the work phone to call the people online to try to sell them computer parts. That was the basic of the training. I don't know, but that took two weeks to figure that out. And she said, yeah, but what happened the day I retired, the day after the stock crashed and my entire retirement was tied up in the stock. And I've got to wait until that stock comes back up because I need that certain nest egg to retire. Welcome to Be Wealthy with Brett Tanner. This is episode 0004. Back in the studio, Cole. Never thought I would say that. In our... This is our office, Cole. This is homegrown Tanner Capital upstairs. Uh, I mean, this is the pantheon of success, as I like to think about it. And so today, we're going to talk about how do you get... How do you get from your office to have your own podcast studio as an employee? That's not what we're going to cover. We're actually going to cover how to be wealthy as an employee. And so you've got advantages, right, as an employee. There's advantages as an employer. And so let's talk through those, right? So the first advantage, I'm joined here. Before we jump in, I'm joined here by Cole. Cole's in the sound Ooh. with Cole. Say, what's up? Cole, can you believe we're doing this or can you believe the tens of thousands, not millions of people that we're going to help today? We're employees that want to be wealthy. Cole, does that get you charged up? What? Exactly. So let's jump in. So number one, where should you start as an employee? You should start by driving up your income. Right now, you might say, Brett, I have a job. It pays me $60,000 per year. I'm on salary, and there is no opportunity. The first question I would ask you, is there anyone in that company that makes more than you? Is there anybody out there, Cole, in that business, this hypothetical scenario, if you're sitting there making 60000 does someone make more than you? Right? If it's a company with 50 people, I bet you someone makes more than you. So That doesn't mean that $60,000 is what the company is the max they can pay. What it means is that's all they're paying you right? That's the market value you're bringing to their business. Now, certain jobs have certain market value, but you could also focus on how can I become more valuable? How can I become more valuable as an employee in an organization. There's lots and lots of things you can do that we're going to cover in this episode. If you are self-employed, you could listen to this for your employees or for strategy, but you could also jump ahead to our next episode, which will cover how to be wealthy as an employer. There are some different tax advantages, there's more tax advantages as an employer, but there's lots of things you could do as an employee. The first thing you need to do as an employee, how do we drive your income up? We're going to cover that, but let's let's go through the four variables. Uh, of your investing and what to think about right number one four variables that affect your wealth your returns first one being time how much time do you have to invest is it 10 years 20 years 30 years 40 years or longer the longer you have the more compounding can occur the more wealth and money you can create number two second variables how much money did you start with what do you have right now Number three is how much money can you put away every single month? This is where, you know, we've got to lock into your burn rate. It's where Stop Acting Rich, that book uh, matters because the amount of money that you can invest every single month and the return you get and the time determine where you land, right? I was blessed. I didn't inherit a lot of money. I had to go build all of my wealth from ground zero. And so I started with very little money. Uh, I had a long horizon, and so the returns I could get, what what affected the returns was the knowledge I had, the people I knew, and how much money could I could I push down my expenses every single month and get into a number that was comfortable, I had a great life, and that everything beyond that number I would invest it, right? So as an employee, how can I figure that out? Second thing you should figure out, how do I increase your skills? How do you go out and increase your skills so you're more valuable to the business. First thing I would do, figure out what your company cares about. Go to your manager if you can reach the owner or someone in a high level decision-making capacity and ask them what they actually care about. What is the biggest thing you're focused on? What is the biggest challenge in your business? What is the biggest opportunity? Said another way, why don't you pretend you're the owner of the business and where do you see that opportunity? What items, where would you take advantage if you were that owner? What would you do, right? And the reason I ask that is if you can go and step away and step into this ownership mentality, right? Most owners, if you can go create a new profit center, create extra money in this, go save money on this other thing, in large part, you're, well, first of all, you're way more valuable to the organization, Right? We're not looking for the employee that shows up, clocks in, clocks out. That's a role player, right? That role is, is valuable. There's something there. But if all you're doing is punching in, punching out, you're doing the core work, nothing more, you're essentially a commodity, right? And I know that sounds terrible and I'm gonna get blown apart online, but if the role is just, I come in, I punch in, punch out, I give nothing more than what's needed, I'm not available ever after hours, I don't wanna gain my skills, I don't wanna add more value to the organization, the organization isn't gonna value you. So it doesn't mean if you're the front desk person, you can take on a leadership or an ownership mentality from any position, in any business. So go out and figure out, how do I get more skills and help Help the company. Um, help them with a the specialty item. Go figure out something you could do that would help reduce costs or increase their income or create a new line of business. Right? You've got to start thinking radically different if you want to change your income as an employee. And I'm going to give you an example. Let's say you're in the roofing business, okay? And based on this roofing business, you've got a big customer that is a lot of it's a lot of insurance work and you've got another big customer that's that's referring you a ton of business, right? So it's main two main sources of business. But let's say you're sitting there, you're at the front desk, you're in your 20s, and you've got content skills, you love, you know, the online world in terms of social marketing, social media marketing, and you say, "Hey, I would love Mr. Owner. I want to go out there and build out our online presence. I want to build out our, our Facebook, our Instagram, our LinkedIn. I want to have all of our social media where it's captured. We're telling our story. We're presenting content consistently. It's engaging content. And I'm, I want to do all those things. And I'm going to capture these leads and I'm gonna route them in there, could I get a portion of the profit that we make from these leads? And I would tell you overwhelmingly, a smart business owner is gonna say yes. If you came to me in one of my businesses and said, I'm gonna build out this new division, here's the resources I need, here's how much money it's gonna take, here's what I think the returns will be, and if I'm able to do that, and largely I'm gonna be spending my time, which is nights and weekends after hours working on this, would you give me 20% of that profit created? My answer, Cole, my answer would be no question. I, I, there's no question. I would think about it. You should always go as the business owner. We should be looking at inspiring our staff. Show them that our world is so large; they would not need to leave our world to accomplish their goals. Right? They don't have to leave us. They can accomplish their goals in the organization, and together, one plus one doesn't equal two. Right? And if you change that math, right, that equation, one plus one can equal a lot more than two. I've got, I've got relationships. I've got people in my world. Uh, in our business that are so valuable, it's not just two people together. We're able to produce what ten or twenty people could create. And, and I'm able to we're able to do that all the time because I'm incentivizing my people based on number one, what they want. Uh, I want to help all of my people really live, like this whole be wealthy. I want my employee staff, my business partners to be, wealthy, right? How do I do that? I got to create enough business, enough opportunity that they can, as an employee in our world, you can have a big enough opportunity to go and accomplish all of your goals. And you're actually getting what you wanted, right? You're getting what you wanted out of your life. So get really clear, start asking the skills and developing the skills. Maybe it's more education. Maybe you gotta go back to school and get an additional degree that would allow you to do different projects or different tasks in this business that'd be more valuable to company. Maybe you need to go back and get an MBA. And by having an MBA in this company, you're able to move to a different division that pays more money, right? Maybe it's a specialty training, something you're currently outsourcing. Hey, we've gotta send this off for testing over here, and you might make the argument, hey, I'll go get that training, I'll I'll need help buying that machine, but then I could do that testing for us in-house, it'll make it faster, we'll make more money. Uh, And if you presented that to a smart business owner, I think you're gonna see a lot of people pick up on that and and want to invest in you. The interesting thing about when you start asking these questions and looking like this, and, and thinking like this, what do you think you've done in terms of your peers at the office? You've just elevated yourself to a different level. The owner is going to be blown away. As a, someone who's got, you know, between our 1099 contractors and our employees, we've got over 100 people in all the organizations. And when I look at it, it's funny that Cole's one of our, our newest guys in our organization. He started about a year ago. And yet, when we do have our state of the company, every month we've got, um, where we come together, all the business owners, uh, that they own equity or they own profits, interest in our different companies, it's about seven or eight different businesses. We all come together once a month. They've got a format they present in. I do some training, some updates on legal things and things we're working on. And there's a format, how we present on how the business is performing on its goals every single month. And I ask, it wasn't very long. Cole originally came in to film it and it was about, I don't know, Cole it was four or five months in. I said, Hey, I want you to come to the state of the company tomorrow. And your question was, am I coming to film? And I said, well, yes, but I also want you to be in, you're coming as an attendee. I want you to come because I need your perspective. And you're treating this company as an owner, which is so rare. This is, Cole's one of their new, the newest direct report I've ever had, um, but he comes into the business and he cares for the business like an owner, like I do. Well, it doesn't take me very long as the owner to it. Rec- I want to reward that behavior, but I also value the perspective. And so we brought him into the state of the company, but it's a way where he's been able to take his role as an employee to actually take ownership. And in taking that ownership, he's able to create an opportunity for himself and he's able to grow his skills, create wealth, and do the things that I'm sharing with you here. And so I, I think a lot of times, Cole, when I think about employees, I think they feel like their hands are tied. Right? Like, hey, Cole, I've got a job. I've got to do these things from eight to five. I punch in, punch out, I go home, and this is what the company pays. I mean, I'll ask you, Cole. Why do you think that's the perspective? Or is that the perspective? Am I right with that? Am I wrong? Um, No, I, I would say that's not my perspective only because I see the people that you work with at a higher level, like the Caitlin's of the world, that if I can do more, then I can get there quicker by just putting in more effort. Um, So I would say it's like super complicated. I just, I just want more, so I do more, and I figured at some point it'll pay off. But why do you think other people don't have that perspective? I love your perspective. I love that you're just naturally that way. But why do you think others? Because I don't I don't see that. And when we go to our organizations, we definitely have people that are role players. We have people in our companies that you see that they play a critical role. And this is not me knocking role players. And if you want to be a role player, be one. That's awesome. Uh, I will tell you, you're probably not going to experience a tremendous amount of wealth uh, as just a role player, right? Because you're... You're, there's going to be some caps on your income. Uh, one of the things I always said, you can. There's there's ways, Cole, that you can find a job. I believe today that can pay. I I, I, I feel like the max you can get to eighty to hundred thousand dollars a year, working forty hours a week. If you get a tight skill set and never have to work a night, a weekend, answer anything after hours or anything. I believe when you go on that, the future you're going to have to work some nights, some weekends. Maybe get up early. Like that's the cost of a massive income. That doesn't mean it has to be forever, but there's gonna be some times. But what if the extra work isn't a bad thing, Like For some reason online today, putting in extra work has become this bad thing, right? There's all this quiet quitting and all this this other, you know, just weird social things we're dealing with today. But what if the work wasn't miserable, Cole? What if you actually loved what you did so much, whether that's an employer or an owner that, it doesn't feel like work. Well, in that content, and, and now you're growing the business, you're taking something you're passionate about and helping helping the business create something. And so I, I just think it's one of those places I would ask that question, and I would go figure out where can I create more value. If you can't come in and ask your business owner, hey, where do you think I could go? What would be the opportunities here for me? And ask that owner, and what would I need to do? What are those skills? What do I need to read, who I need to become, and what does that process for me to reach this level right i think any great owner is going to embrace that and be excited um, so here's another example right so here's an example of employee my wife's got this friend in the he works in a huge accounting firm huge accounting business and we go to you know my wife asked me to go to dinner and said hey can i we hang out and help him a little bit or help him a little bit from a financial coaching perspective and it's one of those things where i usually don't offer to do that because it's i've got the, the training things that i do and and it's just i kind of keep the friend the friend world of advice, uh, I, I don't have tons of advice unless they're really asking for it. And, and these folks kind of were asking, but my wife was kind of pushing that on because she cares so much about him. And so she said, hey, he's in the accounting business. And so would you sit down and help him? And I so they want to grow their wealth, grow their, you know, all the things, right? I want to be more wealthy. What do you do? The first question I asked was, hey, are you working any overtime? I know you're in this huge accounting business, and my guess is around tax season or other times, there's times where you could put additional work and get additional money. And he said, there's no overtime. I said, no, there's no overtime for you or the entire company has no overtime. Oh no, there was plenty of overtime for those that wanted, this wasn't getting it. And so when you think about, you go look at, well, there's an opportunity right there to grow your income. But now we could go, well, what is the position in the company that pays more money? How can I go get into that position, right? So I would go there, and so it's funny, I reached out to my random accountant friends that weren't as big a company, hey, do you guys have more, ads or more, how do I make more money as an accountant? Well, there's tons of ways you can do it. There's different revenue opportunities, whether that's if you're only doing the tax returns, can you refer out the bookkeeping portion? Are there other ways you make money as an accountant? Uh, there's endless ways you could do it. And so when you gotta take a step back and realize, I think a lot of employees, it's really easy to get just stuck in your own story. And to say it more aggressively, Cole, it's really easy to get lazy, to just be lazy out there and say, Hey, I'm going to punch in, punch out. This is what it pays. And this is what it is. And realize that your life doesn't have to be like that. You can have a massive life, whether you're an employee or whether you're a business owner, and actually the amount of income made doesn't dictate where you land. One of the most eye-opening things early in my career is I assumed that the really wealthy people all had really high incomes. Now, don't get me wrong. Having a really high income and really low expenses helps. That's, there's no question. However, a, a good income with really great expense management where you're investing the money early and investing it consistently wins every single time because at some point, the compounding nature, the money actually exceeds what you're earning in your day-to-day job. Like for me, my... My income's pretty significant, but it's my investment income that that holds my income up so high, right? Because I can only earn so many dollars per year. There's, I mean, I can earn more and more money, but large of that money, I'm taking it investing it, right? So I've got to keep doing those things because I can. It's easier for me as that money pool of your net worth grows like this, right? That's going to create more annualized income, which may at some point outpace your actual work income. Right. For a while for me, my investment income has been outpacing my work income just due to the nature of the investments that we're involved in and the size of the net worth. So additional questions I'd be asking if I'm an employee, right? If I if I am can I work overtime? Can I outsource something? Can I take on additional work? Right. If I can find a way to get additional things or tasks accomplished in the same time, can I bring those in, get those done, and can I get paid something more for that? Now let's talk about benefits that you can leverage. If you're an employee... There's some benefits you should think about. Number one, if your empl- if your employer offers a 401k plan that's got some sort of a matching to it, I would no question participate. I would put. I'm not a fan of company 401k plans because typically they mandate what you can invest in. You're either in the standard mutual fund stocks allocation, or you're invested largely in company stock, uh, which could be amazing or could be bad. I've just seen the bad side of it, so I only want to put the amount up to the minimum they're matching. So again, if they're putting in, if it's a 5% match and you put in the money up to that and they're matching a 5%, you're essentially getting 5% free, free money or free stock or whatever that is, it can make a lot of sense. Early in my career, Cole, uh, I've only had two jobs ever. And I worked for a Fortune 500 company called Insight. And I was out there and the day I started with the company, Uh, there was this celebration. This lady had been there since day one, had all her money in in Insight stock her retirement. They celebrated her. Susan's riding off in the sunset and she retired. And I went through training and it was about two weeks of training to learn how to sell stuff. And I don't know why the training took so long because basically the training back then was, this is a cell phone, this is a computer. Online businesses have their phone number. You use your cell phone or the work phone to call the people online to try to sell them computer parts. That was the basic of the training. And I don't know, but that took two weeks to figure that out. So as I came out of training, the lady Susan was sitting next to me when I got out on the floor. And I said, hey, aren't you Susan? They celebrated, retired and all that. And she said, yeah, but the, what happened the day I retired, the day after the stock crashed and my entire retirement was tied up in the stock. And I've got to wait until that stock comes back up because I need that certain nest egg to retire. And I'm a young 21-year-old at this time, not really understanding how the world works, but I realized I didn't want to have my entire nest egg tied to something else. So the reason I'm not a fan of huge corporate retirement plans is typically to mandate where you can invest it, but I would still participate because later if you decide to go on your own, there are ways you can do it, but participate up to the match because you're getting the free money, right? You're getting the free money they're providing. Another benefit you might have, I would go look at your benefits, right? You need healthcare, we all have it. It's one of our biggest expenses. Most companies are gonna have fantastic healthcare, but you should shop it. See is your employer is likely paying half it, they might be paying all of it. So go look and see what are the options around healthcare and how do those benefits actually work? Can you get better insurance privately or is it way better and there's an incredible benefits package with your company? Make sure you're looking at what those benefits are. Great employers, some big companies may have massive employee employee packages that you want to take advantage of. Next, I would say as an employee, if you can fund a Roth, do it. If you can't get with Horizon Trust, get with somebody and figure out how you can backdoor and get a Roth account, start working. And as soon as it's got enough funds in there, self-direct that thing and put your money in your own hands and put it in the things that you know. Next on taxes, right? So we talked uh, you're largely W 2. There's not a ton of things you can do on the tax side, but go, you know, set up your Roth, set up a traditional IRA if you can. Um, now you can look at the tax investment options, right? What are tax deferred or are there any things you can place your money in that aren't taxed the same rates? You've got municipal bonds are taxed differently. Some annuities are taxed differently. In a lot of cases, right, the best tax play is real estate because of depreciation. Depending on your job and your spouse, if you have a partner, their job, there's some requirements in real estate. Everyone gets straight line depreciation. So I'll give you some basic math here. Actually, uh, let me see what I do on my phone. Uh, I don't have my phone, so I'm going to do it here. Let's assume we go buy a house for 300000 an investment property for $300,000. The way the government's going to look at it, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll have some links in the show notes that'll break this down in terms of cost seg and how we do it, but if you buy an investment property and you don't say anything to your accountant, the way they're going to set it up, they're going to take that $300,000 purchase, they're going to take 20% of the price, and they're going to allocate it to the land, and you cannot depreciate the land, and you're going to take the remaining 80%, so in this example, which is going to be $240,000, and they're going to allocate that to the building. And so, depreciation, the standard depreciation, you take $240,000, you divide that by 27 and a half years, 240,000 divided by 27 and a half years for re- residential. Gives you 80 to $8,727. $8,727 you will depreciate per year. So that's an expense. So let's just say that rental property makes 20000 dollars a year net after uh, taxes, insurance, HOA management, all that stuff. You're going to subtract another eight, $8,727. How do you're not going to pay tax on that amount? Now, if you qualify to be a professional real estate investor, we can take that same depreciation, that same 27 and a half years, but we're able to shorten it. We're able to take more in the first year and then we'll take less over the remaining 26 and a half years. In that same example, that that $300,000 house that had a $240,000 building, you might be able to depreciate as much as $100,000 year one, $80,000 year one. Which would, if you're in the, the high tax bracket of 37% plus whatever your state taxes are, it can be a huge, huge savings. On most of the buildings I'm buying like that, I'm gonna end up with around probably $100,000, $120,000 deduction, something like that. And the tax side will be around a $30,000, $40,000 tax savings per building that I'm buying, right? So it creates another incentive to buy real estate. So if you've got a spouse that's maybe gonna manage, uh, your portfolio, and they're going to spend their time on it. There's an amount of time you have to spend to get into, um, to get in the tax qualification of a professional real estate investor is always, before you make any decision, make sure you're getting with your CPA or tax advisor and checking to make sure that this, the things we're talking about work for your unique situation. We always want you to be checking with them. So we do have a question, a couple questions online Um, Here, If I was to transition from a W-2 to a 1099 to get into real estate, how would I do it? Uh, First thing I would do is I would try to figure out what's the side hustle that gets me closest to where I want to go. So if I'm working in an, and I'm in the roofing business and that's an eight to five job or I'm using my skills, I'm putting in a little extra time, but I ultimately want to get into real estate as an investor. I would be spending my nights, weekends, and everything in that. I'd be going to the local real estate investment associations. I would be around the work that I wanted to be doing. I would be saving my money. I would be, training and spending my money, investing in the education, getting ready to go make that investment or, and I would start, if there's any way I could start that side hustle while I was at my core thing, while I still had the protection of a job, I would do that. And now you're you're likely not going to get to the point where your side hustle outpaces your current thing. I wish it worked that way, life doesn't work that way. For me, I had to go all in and I, I left and said the, the corporate world wasn't for me, and I had to get out there and go, get into business for myself, and realize that the outcomes I was able to create, created the win, and I wanted the massive wins, and I was willing to accept the losses, but I wanted the right to make my own decisions, and create my own outcomes, and I was willing to work really, really hard for that, and I wanted that, I wanted the ball. I wanted, when the game's on the line, I wanted to be the one to shoot it, and and that's just the way it was. So how would I do it? I would start W2, I would try to find a side hustle that allowed me to get in the game, and if as soon as I had traction, uh, and was going, at some point you're going to have to likely burn the ships, go all in uh, on your on your new 1099 on your business, and you will have to make that leap. Before you do, I would tell you reserves matter. If you're making that transition, save up at least six months, at least six months of your monthly burn rate. So if you need $10,000 a month to live, I would want to have $60,000 saved up before I left my day job so that I had coverage. I had six months with earning nothing knowing that i have already gonna make something so I got a side hustle going. I got six months to figure it out. Uh, is working W2 a bad thing? Absolutely not. I think that it depends on what you want and it really depends on who you are. In some, and it, just because I think W2 can get this this negative connotation, you can still be a leader, you can still run a big business and you still have an incredible life as a W2. It really depends on what you want. the The game, of the highly successful W-2 employee that wants to climb the ladder and achieve is not that different from the entrepreneur. It's just the entrepreneur is reading books and studying and always figuring out how to create more efficiency and do it better. You just have to apply those same things as a W-2. And I think that what happens is some folks don't want to apply them, which is okay, but it's why they might stay in the same spot. Regardless of what way you decide to go, uh, whether you decide to be an employer or an entrepreneur, we're gonna cover all the ways uh, entrepreneurs and business owners have tax advantages, but check out the Be Wealthy Brett Facebook page or BeWealthyPodcast.com. We would love to hear your questions. What's your side hustle? what's your path and what are you how are you maximizing your taxes if you got questions please reach out to us there and we can bring some of those answers back on a future episode this is the be wealthy podcast with Brett Tanner I will see you back here for how entrepreneurs can be wealthy and leverage your business to create massive wealth I'll see you on our next episode